0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you joined us tonight here at Refuel for our worship time and time in the Word. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. If you want to stand at home, too, those of you that are joining us live stream tonight, we would love for you, too. We're going to worship the Lord in just a moment. And I want to say that joining Nicole up here, I think you know these two young ladies, and we're so glad to have them with us tonight. And uh, they're just going to bless our hearts tonight. And I just I just love Nicole's heart in wanting to bring our young people along and giving them an opportunity, because that's where Nicole and I got started. We got started when we were teens in serving the Lord, and the earlier you get up here, you know, the more, the the better it is. Uh, So uh, we're just glad that you're with us, you're joining us, and I wanted to share this before our worship time tonight. Tonight's message is all about the wisdom of God, and the Old Testament book of Proverbs says this, the Beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's where it starts. And the fear of the Lord, let's remember, it's, it's not some cringing, unhealthy fear. It is a reverential awe and wonder of God. It is a healthy respect of God that, that goes into a, an admiration and adoration for who He is. And when you think about those words, admiration, adoration, awe, and wonder, that's worship. That's what worship is. And so really, when we begin with worship in our lives every day, when we begin with worship here tonight, we are laying the foundation for wisdom in our life. Because in order to receive the wisdom of God, we've got to put God in his rightful place. We have to acknowledge him and say, God, we adore you. We admire you. We respect you, God. We're in awe and wonder of the God that you are. And so that's what we want to do tonight through our worship. And we hope that God will use our worship tonight again to lay that foundation as the beginning of growing wisdom in our life. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God that wants to bring your people near to you. And God, you want to equip us with everything we need to live life on this earth at the highest possible level. And one of the things, Lord, one of the resources that can enable us to do that is your wisdom. And yet your word says that wisdom has to begin with a healthy reverence for God, a healthy admiration and adoration of who you are, God. That's where it begins. And so, God, may we realize that every day we worship you, every day we start today worshiping you, Every day we're here as God's people and we start off with worshiping you, we are laying the foundation to receive wisdom from you. Because God, when we put you where you belong, everything else in our life, in our minds, in our hearts, can start to to fit into its right place. And so God, maybe if there's things out of place in our life tonight, I'm praying that tonight we can reorient ourselves to you. We can realign with you. We can maybe get those pieces back in different places so that things can line up correctly and rightly in our life, so that we can live life at the highest possible level, level, so that we can be sound and so that we can be whole, God, because that's what you want for your people. So, Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, would you just enable us to join these three ladies on this platform and just lift up our voices, lift up our minds, lift up our hearts, and just give our all in worship to you as we sing to you, God, as we praise your name and as we exalt you in this place. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for that time of worship. Thank you, ladies. Awesome. James chapter 3 tonight, we're continuing our series on Wednesday night, looking at the message of James. Two books in the Bible were written by the Lord's brothers, James and Jude, and we're going to be looking at both of those books, James now, and after we get done with James, we'll be looking at the book of Jude. Tonight, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about wisdom. And remember, as we study this book, knowing that James grew up with Jesus— Certain things made an impression upon him so indelibly that I think these were the things that the Holy Spirit brought to mind for James to talk to the church about later on. And one of those is wisdom. I think James saw in his brother a skill at being able to live life. Because that's one of sort of the definitions of biblical wisdom, is the skill, the expertise in living life. You know, there are certain words and concepts that God reveals in the Bible that are much different than the way the world uses that word or the perspective of the world on that word. One of those words is hope. There's a big difference between biblical hope and worldly hope. Well, tonight, hopefully, we're going to see That there's a big difference between worldly wisdom that the world tells us about and godly wisdom or heavenly wisdom that we're going to see tonight. There's not really an outline tonight because James sometimes is really hard to sort of put in a box, if you will. It's not like, well, these couple verses talk about this and then these couple verses talk about that. What James does many times is he weaves multiple things together in the same verses. So tonight, what I'm just going to sort of alert you to is you're going to see a description of godly wisdom, a distinctiveness to godly wisdom, and the design that God has for his wisdom all weaving in and out of these six verses. And there is a lot here. I don't expect anyone to totally absorb all of these six verses because I've been months in this passage, and I'll just tell you, I can't absorb it all, okay? But here's where God is so cool. The Holy Spirit is going to take this message and this passage tonight, and he's going to apply it to each of our lives just where we need it to be, okay? So don't try to wrap your arms all around this. Just say, Holy Spirit of God, what do you want me to gain out of this tonight for me and my situation? Wisdom has sort of two parts to it. There there is the part of, again, living life with skill. Um, Being able to make the best choices. Every day, you and I, like every other human being, are faced with multiple choices in our life. And God's wisdom is given to his people so that we in each of life's situations can make the best choice. In fact, if you go back in your mind to that great passage in Kings where God says to Solomon, Solomon, what should I do for you? And Solomon starts to think about the responsibility of leading the people of God and he says, God... Give me wisdom. Give me the ability to make the best choices to lead these people. And the Bible says God was so pleased with his choice He said, you did not ask for wealth or long life or vengeance upon your enemies, and because you didn't ask for those things, but you asked for wisdom, I'll not only make you the most wise person who's ever lived, but I will bless you with long life and riches on top of it. Wisdom. Wisdom is sometimes just being able to see a situation and go, God, What's the best decision here? And even, what's the best plan? And then, Lord, what's the best way to execute that plan? That is all part of God's wisdom, okay? And again, we're all faced with those daily choices and that's why we need God's wisdom because God's wisdom gives us insight and foresight to be able to see things sort of below the surface or beyond our scope of vision, to be able to see a bigger picture that only God can see. But what I want you to see tonight, and this is where James, I think, was so impacted by Jesus's wisdom is that wisdom not only has that design, but wisdom has a relational design to it. In other words, what we're going to see tonight in most of what James is saying is that God's wisdom not only allows us to make the best choices, to, to, to determine the best plans and the best way to execute those plans, but God's wisdom gives us the ability to be able to do relationships with each other on this earth at the highest level. You see. Wisdom then is primarily not an intellectual thing. You know, the world measures wisdom by the people who have the highest IQ, the 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 greatest mental acumen, the, the ability to absorb information and store information and regurgitate information, all that. Those people are considered wise by the world standards. But God says a wise person not only is able to make the right choices in life so that they can enjoy life and live it at the highest level, but my wisdom will enable them to be able to do relationships well. With each other. So that's why James starts out this passage with these words. It's actually a question, which then already starts to get us to sort of self examine. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, two sides in a sense of the same coin. One reason he may ask that question is because there may be some in the audience who thinks they're wise and after studying biblical wisdom will go, "Oh, I'm not so wise after all. But then there will be others who, because they've always bought into the worldly definition of wisdom, you know, high IQ, uh, mental ability, intellectual, you know, capability and all of that. And you then may look at the way God defines wisdom and go, I never really thought myself a very wise person, but okay, maybe I am wiser than I give myself credit for. Because I know how to do people. I know how to do relationships. I know how to navigate those things, you see. I have that ability and capability from God to be able to, to know what... People are thinking and feeling and all that, and and to to work together with them and and to try to at least have some relationships in my life that are just a joy and delight and and pleasure, and that I, I get joy not only out of my relationship with God, but joy and delight and pleasure out of my relationships with each other. So notice he goes on then to say, by his or her good conduct... He should show his works done in the gentleness that wisdom, godly, divine wisdom, brings. Let's go back to the words good conduct, because it's important. This is a quality of living that is both appealing and inspiring. Whoa! James says, do you realize that when you and I are living by God's wisdom, that there's an appeal to that? that that there's going to be some people around us that go, wow, I want what you got. I want that kind of insight and and wisdom into navigating life and making good choices and and navigating relationships. There's an appeal there, and there's also an inspiration there. That's good conduct. And then the word show. Again, a, a, a big word for James. Because James goes back to the fact that faith without works is dead so James is saying even our wisdom is not something that's just up here in our heads it's something that other people should see and discern and, and it should be evident in our life it's something that needs to be expressed so it's outward not just inward you see to the world wisdom may be all about what's in our head But to God, true wisdom, wisdom from God, is all about again being shown in how I live my life, the choices that I make, and the relationships that I have. And then he says one way that we always know we're living with God's wisdom is because we will do what we do, our works in the gentleness that divine wisdom brings. Gentleness, a great word. A word that's closely associated with that word in the Bible is the word meekness. And one of the best ways I've learned to define meekness or gentleness is power under control. We have great power. In fact, last week we learned about the power of the tongue. And yet the Bible says, though God gives us great power in our life to be able to do certain things and say certain things and all of that, wisdom teaches us that that's always got to be control. It's always got to be under the authority of Of God. It's always got to be guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, then we're not living wisely. Jesus Christ is the best and greatest example of this. Here was God, the Almighty God, the one who is all powerful according to the Bible, who came to earth as a man and allowed people that he created to treat him so badly. And at any point, Jesus had the power to just vaporize them, just get rid of them, just remove them, or not even have to deal with certain situations. But Jesus taught us by example of keeping his power under control. And if Jesus can keep his all power under control, he can enable us to keep much lesser power that you and I have under control through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, wise people don't always do everything they can or say everything they can. Wise people have a restraint to their power, to their words, to everything that we do. God wants us to live powerful lives, but to always keep it under control, not ever out of control. Verse 14. Here's where James starts to talk then about the distinctiveness or difference between also worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy, if you're frustrated, if you're discontent, if you're resentful of others and it's all about you, it's selfishness run amok, you live your life with nothing but a selfish interest and a selfish agenda in your hearts, he says, don't boast and tell lies against the truth. He's simply saying, the person who claims to be living God's wisdom and yet expressing it in these ways James is saying you're living a lie. You're a living contradiction because God's wisdom is not expressed that way. In fact, notice he goes on to say, verse 15, such wisdom, that does not come from above. Which again then says, you and I have a choice to make, as a Christian even. We can choose to live by divine or godly wisdom, the wisdom that is from above, but we can still in our fallen human nature choose to live based on earthly wisdom, the way of the world, the way the rest of the world apart from God chooses to navigate their life, the way they make their choices and decisions in life, the way they do relationships. But James says... That kind of wisdom, notice, first of all, is earthly, meaning it's the wisdom of man, not the wisdom of God. It is natural. It is a wisdom that sort of expresses our fallen human nature. In fact, in the original, it's animal-like. Animal-like. And then he goes even a step further. Notice the end of verse 15. Demonic. And we talked about that last week with the tongue, how the tongue can be set on fire by even hell itself. And we use Jesus' rebuke of Peter when he said, get behind me, Satan, to say how even as Christians, we can open ourselves up to the influence of demonic and evil spirits. And James is saying the same thing about wisdom. We can begin to navigate life, and make choices in our life, and make decisions in our life, not based upon God's wisdom, but based upon worldly, earthly, fallen nature wisdom. Wisdom that's even coming to us from the pits of hell. And James says, we'll know because there's certain results, there's certain evidence, there's certain fruit that comes from both of these because they're diametrically opposed to each other. They're nothing like each other. The wisdom of the world's not even close to the wisdom of God in its design and its description. So James is just giving us a glimpse into this tonight because what he's really trying to do, and we'll get to this at the end, is to do what we sung about tonight. God, I'm looking to you. I need your wisdom. I want to live life by your ways, not by my ways or the ways of the world. So he's sort of trying to whet our appetite and inspire us and motivate us to get up every day. And remember, we've got to live by the wisdom of God. Because he goes on in verse 16 to say, where there is jealousy, again, people who are frustrated, life hasn't turned out the way I want it to, I'm getting the raw end of the deal. I am discontent. I am even resentful of what's happening to me, and and I'm resentful of the good things that others are enjoying that I cannot. And I'm all about me in the decisions and choices that I make, and in even my relationships. And I'll just stop there. You and I know. You're in a relationship with anybody where it's all about them all the time? That's going to be a struggle, right? It's only when two or multiple people like we, as a community of believers, can come together and lay ourselves aside and not try to push all of our own personal agendas, can we come together as a body and work together and be unified. And that's true in any relationship. And notice, he says, you want to know one of the ways that worldly wisdom is expressed? He says, where there's jealousy and selfishness, there is disorder. This word is an explosion of meaning in the original. It can be translated instability, upheaval, unsettledness, restlessness, commotion, Chaos and even anarchy. I think that pretty much describes our world today, does it not? Do you see what James is saying? That's why the Bible is the Word of God because it's just as true now as it was a couple thousand years ago. And it's just as relevant today as it was a couple thousand years ago. What are we seeing before our eyes in people's lives and in the world today? We are seeing nothing but frustration and discontent and restlessness and resentment. And we're seeing instability and upheaval and unsettledness and commotion and chaos and anarchy, and James goes on to say, "Oh, and if I haven't hit it all, at the end of verse sixteen, every evil practice is born out of earthly wisdom, wisdom that's not from God. Why? Because when you and I, whether we're in a church, whether we're in our family, whether we're in..." Our country, whether we're, we're, whatever you're in your workplace, you're at school, wherever. You, if everybody's only out for themselves, look out, right? If everybody is only in it for themselves, it's not going to end well. So, what does James say? And this is why I said at the beginning, yes. James wants us to understand that God's wisdom will help us make the right choices. God's wisdom will help us to form the best plans and and use the best means to execute those plans. But God's wisdom is also about how to relate to each other. And I want you to keep that in mind as you read these characteristics of godly wisdom and how so much of it relates to us relating to one another. Notice verse 17, the word but, strong contrast. James is saying, but there's another way to live. There's another way to navigate life other than this way. You and I, as children of God, have access to the wisdom, to the mind of God to his insight, to his foresight, that comes from above. And notice the very first characteristic is the wisdom from God that comes from above is, first of all, pure. What does that mean? Primarily, it means undiluted, not a mixture of something. When something is pure... It is undiluted. Now, I want you to take that a step further because I hope that you are able to follow me because can I just tell you, honestly, I can't follow myself sometimes. So keep that in mind because it's leading somewhere. Why is that purity a characteristic of God's wisdom? Because God wants us to be all in with him. We talked about this Sunday, being fully devoted and consecrated to God. And when you and I then have that level of, God, we are yours, what are we prepared to do? We are prepared to worship. That's what this word is all about a people who are always at any time anywhere prepared to come into the presence of God and worship him what did jesus say blessed are the pure in heart for they shall what see god what is worship seeing god experiencing god and that's why god says there's got to be a purity not a perfection but a purity. A double-minded man, man, James said earlier, is unstable in all his ways. Instability is one of the signs of earthly wisdom. When we're all in with God, there's a purity. There's an undilutedness to our life that is in every situation, worshiping God out of that purity. Second, Peaceable, a person who is a peace promoter and a peace maker. Now, not peace at any cost, not peace at the compromising of truth, but all in all, someone who is not looking. For a fight, or looking to argue, or looking, you know, to try to stir things up, but one who's always trying to maintain peace and keep peace and promote peace. Because again, what did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You and I will know that we are operating under God's wisdom when there's a purity to our life and worship, and there's a Peace that we so desire in our life. Nothing wrong to desire peace. Next, gentle. The word gentle here means to be considerate, thoughtful, and gracious. And again, in the context of what? Relationships. It wouldn't matter if this was just about us. If you can't get along with yourself, then maybe there's something wrong, right? And we're pretty considerate and thoughtful and gracious towards ourselves, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about us learning to be considerate, thoughtful, and gracious of others. That's God's wisdom. Next, notice, accommodating. Somebody who's reasonable, not unreasonable. Somebody who's easy to get along with. That's God's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. And you can then begin to see why James is talking about this in light of the fact that Jesus was his brother. Because he saw how Jesus did relationships with his own brothers, his sisters, his mom, his dad, and so many others, and he was probably until he became a believer going wow my brother knows how to do relationships I'll give him that and now don't get me wrong you and I know it's not that everybody liked Jesus it's not that everybody got along with Jesus it's not that everybody was friends with Jesus in fact we know that many people what hated Jesus So, you and I can still operate with the wisdom of God seeking to do right in relationships. And that doesn't mean we're going to get along with everybody. It just means, from our perspective and on our part, we will do everything we can do. As the Bible says, as much as it lies with us, we will seek to live at peace with all people. That's why the Bible even gives a general promise that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Full of mercy, caring, concern, and compassion for other people. Full of mercy, not just a little mercy, full of mercy, full of care, full of concern, full of compassion for other people. Now, you can begin to see, right, how different God's definition of wisdom is over the world's. The world would not define wisdom this way. They don't. They never have. All the way back to the Greek philosophers and all of that. They didn't care about relationships. And so what we're seeing here, too, again, is the values of God. And remember, we started out this study saying that one of the things that we'll learn in James is to value the things that God values. What does God value here? By teaching us about wisdom, He values relationships. Because guess what it's going to be all about throughout eternity? Our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. Because in the end... We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can't take anything out, 1 Timothy 6.6. So it can't be about stuff. It's got to be about relationships. And so many people of the world love things and use people rather than love people and use things. And when they get to the end of their life, they've got no meaningful relationships in their life, but they got a pile of stuff that they got to leave behind. Not very wise. Maybe that's why God called that young man the rich young fool. Who kept building more and more of his storage units to house all of his stuff? And Jesus said, You fool, tonight your soul's gonna be required of you. Where'd all that stuff get you? Did that stuff help you with your relationships? Impartial. Oh, excuse me. Full of mercy and good fruit. Good fruit. How about Galatians 5, 23? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, self-control. And guess what they're all about? Relating with each other. Impartial. We've already talked about partiality or prejudice in the book of James, but here it's more of living a consistency. In other words, I'm not one thing with Chad and another thing with Phil. I don't treat them differently. I treat people consistently. I don't treat people differently based upon, you know, their pocketbook, their bank account, their skin color, their background, their, you know... Male, female, no. There's a consistency to the way I treat every human being. That's wisdom. And you see this with Jesus, no matter who he dealt with, men, women, rich, poor, young, old, uh, from this part of the world or that part of the world. Jesus treated everybody with respect. He honored them as an individual individual. They had value and worth to him because obviously he created them, and he was leaving us an example of don't treat people differently. Treat them all as the creation of God made in God's image. Not hypocritical. Transparent would be a good way to define this word. Again, not playing a game or pretending. Not being one thing in public and then going home and being a different thing. Not being one thing at church and then going to work or school and being a different person. But being just being who you are in every situation with everybody. Because guess how exhausting it is not to do that. To those who think they've got to be a certain thing in a certain place at a certain time, How exhausting is that to have to live up to all that and then change who we are, no matter what the group is? God says, no, that's not wise. Wise is just being yourself and being transparent. And then he ends with this. He says, the fruit that consists of righteousness, in other words, the harvest, that will end up being a harvest of righteousness is planted in peace, going back to this, among those who make peace. Now, in closing tonight, this is an important verse. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time with it. First of all, (laughs) the implication here is that you and I are going to desire a harvest of righteousness. (laughs) Otherwise, this verse doesn't mean very much to us. And righteousness is just being aligned with God. Do we want to have a harvestness, a harvest that reveals that we are in alignment with God and that we are living under God's favor and blessing? I mean, that's what we desire hopefully for our church. That's hopefully what you and I desire for our life, that we want to have a harvest of righteousness, and we want to leave a legacy of righteousness behind us. All over the place. Well, then James says, guess what? If we're talking about fruit and we're talking about a harvest, a harvest requires effort on our part. Go to the word planted there in verse 18. A farmer doesn't just sit in his house and a few months later walk out to the fields and go, well, look at this wonderful harvest that I have and did nothing. No. The farmer has to get out there and till the ground and and get the soil just right and remove all the stuff that might hinder the growth and then got to plant the seed and sow it and water it. Put forth a lot of effort, but if you put forth that effort with wisdom... You get a great harvest. And God is simply saying to his people, if you live by my wisdom and you put forth the effort in your relationships, you will reap what you have sown. Because that's what the Bible says. We reap what we sow. So James says, if you are willing to sow seeds of peace, going back to the word peaceable, being a peace promoter and a peacemaker, among those who are making peace, oh, you're going to be pleased with your harvest. Because the other implication in this verse is God's Spirit, who is ultimately the one working in our lives, within us, in our church and all that, only works in a certain kind of soil or environment. If people are bickering and fighting and feuding and all that, the Holy Spirit's like, "Nip, not touching that. That's not me. I'm not getting into that. That's, that's earthly wisdom. That's demonic wisdom being on display there. I, I'm not, not going to be a part of that. And so nothing good is going to come out of that. But when the Holy Spirit in our lives sees that we are striving to live by God's wisdom, making the best choices in life, living life with with a skill that only comes from, from God's insight and foresight, and that we have a desire to do our relationships at the highest level, and we know that we need God's wisdom to do it, and so we live with God's wisdom every day. He says, you keep sowing, and you're going to have a harvest one day. You're going to start to see fruit from the effort that you put forth to sow all these seeds. And we could say in the context, he could have said, don't just sow seeds of peace so seeds of accommodation, so seeds of gentleness, so seeds of mercy, so seeds of good fruit and impartiality and hypo- not hypocritical and purity. So all those seeds because we reap what we sow. And if we want the Holy Spirit to work in our life and in the life of our church, that's one of the reasons why as a pastor I so desperately try to encourage all of us to stay unified with each other in spite of the fact that the devil wants to keep dividing us and tearing us apart and why we need to learn to forgive each other and and live with wisdom and try to promote peace rather than division and and try to think about our actions and our words and are we dividing rather than uniting and all of that and edifying because if we don't stay together and we don't stay at peace with one another in a general way and stay unified, then we're not creating a soil, if you will, well, a spiritual soil and an environment where the Holy Spirit wants to come down and literally dwell and work and move amongst us. I am glad that for the most part over the last 10 plus years of the history of the Oasis Church, we have been a unified group of people. And generally speaking, we do all get along with each other. And there is a spirit of peace here. And I think that's why you see when you come into our church and when you experience our church family that God is here and that he is moving and he is working. But why maybe would you go into other churches or other places where you have groups of believers and you don't feel the spirit and you don't sense the spirit and you don't find him moving? It may be because the soil spiritually or the environment is not... Accommodating to the Holy Spirit. And so I love James 3.18 because it reminds all of us, we reap what we sow. And every day, even in our relationships, what are we sowing so that one day we will reap? Because remember something, too, about the law of sowing and reaping. You never reap in the same season you sow. So that's why the Bible encourages us, keep sowing. Keep sowing. I'll say this, and then I'll close. One of the greatest examples of that is if you're a parent, And you put all those years into your kids, and then sometimes they're growing up, and you go, Did they listen to anything that I said? And all I can say to encourage you is that if you sow the right things, you'll reap a good harvest. It's not going to be immediate, it may be way down the road. It's like ministry. Any of you who are in ministry or been in ministry for any length of time at all know it might take months or even years to begin to see the fruit from all of your labor. You may have had to sow a lot of seeds before you started to see a harvest. And that's why God says, but keep sowing. Because if you do not grow weary in well-doing, you will reap if you do not feign and give up. So don't give up. Sow in the morning, sow in the noontime, sow in the midnight hour. Just keep on sowing those good seeds. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we don't have to live life with the wisdom of this world, with the wisdom of our fallen nature, and even the wisdom from evil spirits. But the Lord, we can tap into the wisdom of the almighty, omniscient God of the universe. The God who knows all things. The God who gives us wisdom. The God who is wisdom. And James himself even said earlier in this book, if any of us feel like we are deficient or lacking in wisdom, all we have to do, God, is ask you, and you'll give it to us generously and without reprimanding us. So, God, there's no excuse. We never need to live our lives as your followers without your wisdom. The only question is, do we really want it? Because if we want it, then God, we will come to you every day relying and depending upon you saying, God, give me wisdom today. God, I look to you. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me to see others as you see them. Help me to make the best choices, God, with your wisdom and insight. Help me to navigate my relationships in life, Lord, at the very highest level so that, Lord, especially we as Christians can come together and we can accomplish much together, unified for your glory and honor, and that we can show a world that is fractured and falling apart and disunified that through the Spirit of God and through the power of God, God, we can be one in you. God, may we be a testimony of your wisdom, may our good conduct truly be appealing and inspiring to those around us. May we live in such a way, God, that people will want and that we will create a thirst in people's lives that they will want what we have and that we can point them then to you. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless. We'll see you next week.